You're anointed by God to, to share the gospel. Uh, Isaiah chapter 61, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because He has anointed me to preach, to proclaim, to declare the good news to the poor. The good news is the gospel. The, 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 the fact that the poor is the poor in spirit, telling them that God loves you. That's the good news. That's the gospel. God is for you. He's a good father. He loves you. That's the good news. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 19, the Great Commission, Jesus says, All authority in the universe, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. He's released it to us. So he says, Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that I've obeyed, all that I've told you to obey. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, because I see that some people need to get fired up a bit more. When the Holy Spirit came, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and He's going to give you power to be a witness. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, God Himself on earth, comes upon your life for the express purpose for you to be a witness for God. A witness is someone who sees something and then declares it to someone else. That's who a witness is. Scripture says that, uh, that a testimony can't be established unless there's two or three witnesses. That means God will never be able to establish His purposes on earth unless you're a witness for Him. I don't know if you get this burden in your heart, but it seems to me that Jesus would like to make Himself known to the world. I think one of the main goals of God, if you think what's God's will... One of his main goals is to make himself known to every single person on earth. Come on. And so what happens surrounding, whenever you bring up evangelism, is all of a sudden I look at everyone's eyes and every person freaks out. There's a wall that goes up because what we've done is we've overcomplicated it. We've made it really difficult. We've psyched ourselves out of it. We've said it's all too hard. This isn't me, it's not my personality, it's not who I am. And you know, that is all rubbish. That's not true. The, the, the Bible shows us that there's two types. There's two types of sharing the gospel. There's two types of, uh, of releasing the kingdom of God. It's called overt ministry and covert ministry. Overt ministry is like uh, Peter, uh, Philip, Stephen, Paul. These were great men and women of faith who would go into a place and blow it up with the Holy Spirit. They would go in and pray for someone and they'd be completely healed. They would go in and declare the gospel overtly and God would move in great power. And we look at that and we think, some people look at it and say, like me, I say, come on, that's what I want, come on, come on. But other people look at that and freak out. But it's okay. Because we're not all called to be uh, functioning in one specific ministry, there's also covert ministry. We fluctuate between the two. And covert ministry is where you're like a Joseph, like a Daniel, and you go into your workplace or you go into your school or wherever you're at and you're, you're establishing godly principles. You're living like Christ, but you're being wise. There's a, 
There's a wisdom to the way you say things. So you're knowing when to speak to people about Jesus, but you're also knowing when not to speak. Because the reality is sometimes God wants you in a workplace and you would get fired if you did what Peter or Paul or, or John were doing. That's not to say don't do it, but the fact of covert ministry is, is it's, more, uh, it's more you're going in, it's missional, you're silent, you're, you're, on, you're on this mission from God, but you're not as overt about it. So I believe that evangelism flows uh, through those two, and, and we can all do both. We can all do both. I see people now, and you're like, hmm, which one am I? Which one am I going to choose? No, don't choose one. Don't choose one. You can all do both. Um, and so what I wanted to do today is I wanted to really just, I titled this message pretty simply, I titled it, Evangelism, You Can Do It. You can do it. You can. You can do it. Every single person can do it. You can do it, Maddie. You can do it. You can do it, Leroy. We, we put up, we, we complicate it, we make it difficult, and so... My job today is I want to simplify it for you. I want to take away the, the things we all have fears surrounding, the, the struggles we have in sharing our faith with people, the, the things that stop us from how to overcome these things, how to deal with them, and it's pretty simple. It really is. In sharing our faith, in sharing Jesus, in sharing the love of God with people. John 14 says that the Holy Spirit is our... Advocate, John 14, verse 16, Jesus says, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit and he's your advocate. That's such a rich term. That literally means that he's your counsellor, he's your guide, he's your comforter, he's your nurturer. And, and he's the one who's going to do a work in your heart today. So I would ask that you stay open to what God wants to speak about to you in your life. And, uh, and my heart for you is that, you know, if you're down here, I want you to just go to there. Next, just go to the next level. If, you're, if you feel like you're up here and you've shared your faith a few times and, and you're a little bit confident, then go here. Because that's what I believe God wants to do. He wants to touch every single person today. He wants to help you more than you want to help yourself. Amen? Amen. Come on. So I'm going to preach from Matthew chapter 9 today. This is a great passage. This is Jesus showing his disciples how to do it. There's no greater person to learn from than Jesus. Amen? We welcome those who are listening in online, on live stream as well. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you listening in. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. There's a big harvest. The harvest is plentiful. There's no issue with the harvest. There's no issue with people being able to receive Jesus. It's a big harvest. It's ready. But the workers are few. The laborers are few. Verse 38. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out laborers, to send out, and that word send out is the Greek word 
Ekbale or Ekbalo, when Jesus was driving out demons, he would say, Ekbalo, I cast, I cast you out in Jesus' name. He's saying here, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out, to cast out workers into the harvest field. So Jesus is, is going around preaching the gospel. He's, he's releasing the kingdom. He's demonstrating to his disciples what the kingdom is like, how to do it. And then he says to his disciples, well, firstly, uh, the, the amazing thing in here is that he says he had compassion on the crowds. So one of his main motivators, the main motivation of Jesus to preach the gospel, to see people healed, to see people set free was compassion. Was a compassion and a love for people. It's really interesting. And then he says to his disciples, ask, pray to the Lord of the harvest. Who's the Lord of the harvest? That's God. It's Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. I've always looked at that prayer. I don't know about you. But whenever I've read that prayer in the past, it was really irrelevant to me. I thought, why? Why do I need to ask God to send me out, to say, please God, send me out so I, can, so I can tell people about how much you love them. Why do I ask God that when I've already got that commission? I don't need to ask him. I don't need to pray to God. I just need to go out and do it. And so I would read that prayer and I would think, what the heck are you talking about, Jesus? Why? We know we need to go and share your love with people. But Jesus knows that one of our main struggles in sharing our faith and, and hear my heart, one of our main struggles is that we're not motivated by compassion. We're not motivated by love. We don't have a passion for it. See, I believe the first step to being able to share your faith, to being able to say to someone, hey, God loves you, to, to go on to your friend, they've got a problem in their life, hey, let me pray for you. I believe the first step to doing that is actually developing an incredible passion and heart and love for the harvest. Come on. Some of you are trying to work it up. Some of you go throughout your day, you know your Bible, you know God, you know you're meant to share your faith with people, but you've got no passion for it. There's no godly burden or desire within you to share your faith. So what we end up doing is we end up having to work ourselves up, heap, and we get into this space where it becomes such an effort to even just say to someone, oh, look, uh, uh, God loves you. And it's such an effort for us because we don't have God's passion. We don't have God's heart for the harvest. We look at the harvest, don't worry, I've been there, and you go throughout your day, you think, oh, flip, I've got all these people I know who don't know God. I see them every day. God, this is just too overwhelming. This is too hard for me, God. In my workplace, all these people don't know you. I see them all the time. It's just too difficult for me, God. It's really too difficult. Well, I can tell you right now, the first step is you need to pray to the Lord of the harvest. Come on. You need to pray to the Lord of the harvest and get his passion and his burden and his heart for people. Come on, get God's passion for the harvest, not your own. It's time to get the Father's heart and to say, what do you think about my friend? What, what, what do you think about my family? What do you think about my boss? What's your heart? What's your passion for them, Lord? See, Jesus was a man of prayer. In Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it said he would often, 
So he would often he would go out for prayer in the lonely places in the wilderness to spend time with God. And I believe what he was doing is he's getting the Father's heart for his world. He's getting God's passion and God's fire for the harvest. Because you'll burn out if you try and do it on your own. You'll look at how difficult you think it can be. This is, all these people don't know God. This is too difficult, Lord. You need God's passion. You need his fire for the harvest. Come on. So step one is prayer. Pray. Pray. It's interesting how it says pray to the Lord of the harvest. So the thing is, is you're not coming to God and you're not spending time with God. You're, you're coming to the Lord of the harvest. So you're coming to God as the master evangelist. He's the one. He, he's the one who wants to set people free. He's the one who does the work in people's lives to see them saved. So you're praying to him as the Lord of the harvest. Father, what is your heart for my workplace? God, I've got my family member. They don't know you. Father, I claim their salvation in Jesus' name. Come on, God. Give me courage and strength to move when I see them. Give me more opportunities to speak to people about you. Stir up the fire and the passion within me to share the gospel with people throughout my week. That is what prayer is to the Lord of the harvest. You're spending time with God, but you're spending time with his nature as the evangelist. God is the one who wants to see people saved. He wants to see it a hundred times more than we do. So it would make sense that if you spend time with him, it's going to rub off on you. Jesus was moved by passion. He was moved by God's love for people. See, God's trying to get across something to us here. We skip this step and we go out through our week and we come across an opportunity and then we freak out. And we're not burning. We're not, we don't have that passion from God. And so Jesus, he spent time with the Father and he was so on fire for God and so on fire for people that it just flowed out of him. See, I believe if you're so in love with Jesus, it's going gonna, it's gonna to flow out to those around you and it'll make evangelism so much easier for you. You know, every, every person knows I'm married. I tell every person I'm married because I love my wife. If you don't love your wife, you're not going to go around telling people you're married. It's that simple. So if you're in love with Jesus, if you build that love and that passion and his fire for you and for those around you, I can tell you what, you're going to be a weapon. The three results we see from, from prayer in this scripture. So number one, prayer. If I pray to the Lord of the harvest, it births passion in me to lead people to God. It'll birth a passion in you to lead people to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, the Apostle Paul says, he's a great ambassador for Christ, and he says, it's Christ, it's the love for Christ, it's the love of Christ that compels me. Make sure I get that right. The love of Christ compels me, compels me to share the gospel. Compel literally means it fuels me, it motivates me, it, 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 it's, it's like a burden within my heart that I have to do it, I just have to do it. It's the love of Christ. Did you hear that? The love of Christ. The love of Christ. The love of Christ. So it's not my love for people. It's not my love that compels me to share the gospel. It's not my love for my friend who's going through a hard time to say, hey, Jesus loves you, let me pray for you. 
It's not my love that says, oh, okay, hey, you run, go past someone, say, they, they highlight, say, hey, Jesus loves you so much. You're awesome. God's got a great plan and purpose for my life. It's not my love that compels me. It's the love of Jesus. Paul says, it's the love of Christ that compels me. The only way that you get the love of Christ in you is to spend time with Jesus. That's the only way. So many people try to do it out of a superficial human love. But we need God's love. You need God's love fueling you. Come on. You need His love to pour through you and impact people. And I can guarantee that will make it a whole lot easier. Second thing, when you pray to God, when you pray to the Lord of the harvest, it brings God's perspective. It brings God's perspective. So Jesus said, it said he saw the people, he saw the crowds, he saw the world. We look at our world today. He saw them and he saw that they were helpless and that they were harassed. Helpless and harassed. Every single person needs God. They, some people, often people look like they don't. Your boss probably doesn't look like he needs God. Your friend might look like they're all hunky-dory and doing well in life and they're happy and yeah, I've got my car, my house, my kids, my family, I'm all good. But they are helpless. They need God. I can guarantee you, if you had a day in their inner world, you would realise, you would get God's perspective on their life. Every single person needs the love of Jesus, needs the security of the Father, needs the healing, uh, needs, needs uh, the healing that only Jesus can bring to make someone's heart whole. Every person is helpless. So that brings God's perspective. As you pray with God, you begin to see those people in a different way. That hang on, this person needs God here, here and here. This person, they're insecure here, they're here, they, they need the love of God in these areas. And the second thing, is Jesus saw that they were harassed. So in other words, you will get God's perspective on the devil's work in their life. Harassment is from the enemy. You'll see where they're harassed, where they've got sickness, where the devil's brought sickness upon their life, where the devil's brought destruction in their relationship, where the devil's brought uh, depression, anxiety, all these things, you'll begin to pick up on that when you spend time with the Lord of the harvest. You'll begin to get, the, get God's perspective. Third thing, it prepares you for opportunities. Praying to God about your workplace, about people you want to see saved, about people that you, you want to see come to encounters with Jesus, praying to Him will prepare you for the opportunities. We have opportunities every single day, but the majority of us are never prepared for it. Have you ever had that? where you go throughout your day and you get to the end of your day and then I'm spending time with God and I think, oh God, you know, I've got a heart for this person. I want to see this person saved. I want to see this person healed. I want to see this. And then I think about, oh yeah, I talked to that person today. Oh yeah, I didn't say anything. I didn't do anything. There's no, there's no we need it. When you spend time with God, it prepares you because you think, oh, hang on, I've been praying about this. And all of a sudden, you're, you're talking to your friend and like, oh, I've been praying to God about my friend. Oh, I remember that prayer. And it's like that prayer, what you've sowed in the secret place, it waters the ground and it backs you up when the opportunity comes along. You'll be like, oh, hang on. Hang on. I've prepared for this moment. I've prepared for this. Preparation is so important. Is when you're praying to God, it gets you prepared. Many of us, 
We're so unprepared throughout our weeks. So unprepared. And so we can go throughout a whole week and not even think about sharing Jesus with people. So we need to pray to the Lord of the harvest. Get God's heart for people. Get His heart. Get, start, start spending time with God and saying, Lord, how do you feel about the harvest? What are you thinking about the harvest in my workplace, in my city? Get His heart. Get on fire for Jesus. Amen? Passion. So important. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus called His 12 disciples to Him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him. So they've seen everything that Jesus has done, right? They've seen Jesus demonstrate the authority of the kingdom. Previously to this chapter, there were five circumstances where they've seen people deliver, where they've seen Jesus deliver people, where they've seen him heal people, where they've seen him cast out demons, okay? They've seen the kingdom demonstrated to them. So imagine you've seen Jesus do all this, right? Imagine how you would feel when this happens, when he says this. Jesus called them to him and he says, I give you authority. The same authority and power that I've been operating in, I give it to you to drive out impure spirits. That's the enemy, that's the devil, that's demonic spirits. And to heal every disease and every sickness. Jesus, imagine the disciples. Imagine you're with Jesus. You've seen him doing all this stuff. And he says, right, now you go do it. You go do it. Now, I don't know about you. I would be a little bit like far out. This is a big task. But I would also be incredibly confident and incredibly excited. I would be like, come on. Come on. I've just seen Jesus do this. God's not, God's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. His word is faithful. He's not a liar. So if he's saying that the same authority that I'm operating in, I'm giving to you, well, come on. I'm going to be able to go and do the same stuff. That would build an incredible confidence in you, would it not? One of our main struggles, I believe, is that we've got no confidence in the authority and power that God's given us. We have it. Every single believer has it. Every single disciple of Jesus has it. But we've got a lack of confidence. There's a confidence issue. We walk down the street. We're in our workplace. We see an opportunity and our first thought is, far out, what if God doesn't show up? I think I could pray for that person. I could pray for their sore wrist, their sore leg. I could pray for the issue in their body. And we think, oh, hang on. What if God doesn't show up? That's the first thought. I know because I've been there. I still have those thoughts. What if God doesn't do anything? I'm going to look like a fool. I'm going to look stupid. Uh, I'm going to look like a failure. What if I fail? All the what ifs come up. And so what happens is we psych ourselves out of doing anything because we have no confidence in what God has given us. You have the same authority and power, exactly the same, the same fullness of the Spirit that Jesus had. 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 6, verse 17 Whoever is united with the Lord is one in spirit with Him. That word one literally means you're intermingled. It's like you're fused together 
in your spirit with the Holy Spirit. So when God looks at you, he no longer sees, he no longer sees Dean and the Holy Spirit. He sees me full. He sees my spirit and the Holy Spirit and we're one. There is no distinction. You're one with the Lord in spirit. Colossians chapter 1 verse 27 says Christ in you. Christ in you, not on you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. In other words, he lives in you. Jesus, the same one who operated in the authority and the power of the kingdom of God is living in you. In every single person right here today. In every person. Come on. Come on. Ephesians 3.17. Christ dwells in you by faith. That word dwell literally means he makes his home in you. Think about that. God who breathed uh, trees into existence. God who created all the planets. He dwells and makes his home in you. And we walk around... And we have so little confidence, so little confidence in what God has given us, in God in us. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of what? Power, love, and a sound mind. So in other words, when I lack confidence, when there's things in me or, or there's things that I'm thinking that cause me to lack confidence in what God's given me, that means I'm putting faith in the wrong spirit. It means I'm putting more faith in, in the enemy's work, in what the devil's doing, in what God can't do, than what God can do. Come on. What if you prayed for that person and they were healed? What if you said Jesus loves you and all of a sudden that person, their, their, their whole life is changed from that one word from God? Come on. Come on. See, it's interesting. Jesus calls God the Lord of the harvest. He calls him the Lord of the harvest. I found that that's an incredible revelation because many of us, we look at the world, we look at it when we walk down the street, go shopping, wherever, and we see everything that the devil's doing. We see all the evil. We see all people who we think that person, they're never going to come to God. How, how would this happen here? How would my friend ever come to God? They're, they're opposing me, all this stuff. We look at all the work of the devil. And so what we do is we make it the devil's playground. We make it the devil's world. No, Jesus says that God is the Lord of the harvest. It's his harvest field. Come on. It's God's harvest field. He's in control. I know some people think that the devil's running rampant and he has ownership over the whole world. No, 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 no. It's God's harvest. It's his harvest field. They're God's people. They just don't know it yet. Come on, God's in control. The Holy Spirit's on the move, amen? The Holy Spirit's moving whether you see it or not. Psalm chapter 2 says God is seated in the heavens and he looks at the plans of the devil. He looks at the rules of the world, which is the enemy working through people and he sees them rebelling against him and he says, oh, well, yep, it's just all too hard. I know. I feel it today. Yeah, yeah I know, Dean. It's, it's going to be a tough day for you today. It's going to be really hard. The devil rules and reigns. No, no. What does he do? He laughs. He laughs. Have you ever been laughed at? Like mockingly? It doesn't feel very nice. And that's what God does to the devil. Come on. That's what God does to the plans of the devil in your, in your boss, 
the plans of the devil in your friends, the plans of the devil down the street, in your workplace, in this city. God laughs at the plans of the enemy. Come on. He is the Lord of the harvest. There's eight different things, eight different things that God has equipped you with in evangelism. There's eight different things that God has given to you so that you would be successful, so that you could have confidence in that His in that His power would be there for you, in that you'll see God move through you in great ways. All right. So listen up. He's given you the name of Jesus. John chapter fourteen, verse thirteen. Jesus says, "I give you my name. Whatever you ask in prayer, I'm going to give it to you. Why? Because you're asking in my name. So." You have the name of Jesus. That means you have authority in heaven and you have authority on earth to do the will of God, to ask of God and for Him to give it to you. You have authority to be an ambassador for Christ. Why? Because you have the name of Jesus. You have the authority. Second thing is He's given us the Holy Spirit. I love Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 we have all, once you believe in God, we receive His Spirit. We receive the Holy Spirit. Come on. And the Holy Spirit, He gives us access to the power of God. So when we pray for something, when we pray for a healing, when you pray for your friend to be saved, when any, anything like that, when you pray for it, have confidence that that will happen. Why? Because you've got the Holy Spirit. Because you've got the power of God living in you. Holy Spirit connects you to the Father, to Jesus. He connects you to the authority and the power of God to flow through your life. So your words are different to someone else's word, words who doesn't yet know God. When you say Jesus loves you to your friend, that's different when another person says it who doesn't know God. Why? Because you've got the power of the Holy Spirit behind you. The Holy Spirit will move upon your words. The gifts of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, to every person, God gives grace. He gives the graces, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He gives us full access to that. The gifts of the Spirit help us minister to people. The gifts of the Spirit, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, gift of faith, gift of healings, uh, you know, tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, all the gifts of the Spirit they are there for the express purpose to take it outside of the four walls of the church building and to be able to minister to your friend, to be able to minister to your family, to say, hey, God's just told me that you've got this problem in your life. Let me pray for you. Yeah. Come on, expect that. Expect that. God's freely given it to you. Did, did I mention? I don't know if I mentioned it, but it's a gift. It's a gift. This is all a gift from God. It's not something you have to work for. It's not something where you have to spend all this time with God so you work up money in your bank account for them to make a deposit and He give it to you. He's already given it. Come on. The righteousness of Jesus. Think about this. He has given you the righteousness of the Son, of the perfect Son, Jesus. Romans 5.1, we are justified, we're made righteous by faith. Amen? It's by faith. Jesus comes and lives in us. We are partakers of his divine nature we have his righteousness why would i need righteousness when it comes to evangelism i'll tell you why because the enemy the voice of the accuser will come to your life 
and he'll try to get you stuck in condemnation and he'll try to get you stuck in guilt. The righteousness of Jesus is to destroy the voice of the accuser in your life. There are too many people who are bowing to the voice of the enemy, who are bowing to the voice of the accuser. So you walk, you're walking along, you see an opportunity and you don't do it and then you feel really guilty and bad for it. You go throughout your day or maybe right now you're listening to this message and you're thinking, I've actually never even shared my faith with someone. I've actually never even offered to pray for someone. And so the voice of the accuser comes along and tries to get you into guilt and tries to get you to feel guilty and condemned. And I can guarantee you, if you're stuck in guilt and condemnation, you're just going to keep going around the mountain. You will never be able to share your faith when you're stuck in the condemnation because the enemy will have a stronghold in your life. I can tell you right now to those people, if that's you, the righteousness of Jesus lives within you and He has set you free from the voice of the accuser in your life. He's set you free from condemnation. So that's not God. That, that is not God. I can tell you right now, that's not God. It's not God when you feel like I should have prayed for that person. I should have shared my faith. I've, I've never done it before. And you feel guilty and condemned. No, no, no. That's not God. That's the devil. See, God is always the voice of conviction. I love the Father's voice of conviction. It's incredible. Because what does he do? I'll spend time with God. I say, God, I missed it. I, should have, I had that opportunity. And he'll say to me, you know what? It's all right. You should have done it. And you're so, it's okay. I know you should have done it, but it's all right. I'm giving you another opportunity. Go for it again. Come on. Come on. That's the voice of conviction in your life. That it says God comes to you and he says, you know what? Yep, you made that mistake. I see that. I even knew you were going to do it because I'm God. It's funny how God works that way. I knew you were going to make that mistake. It's okay. You, you did it. But you know what? Go for it again. Come on. I've given you my spirit. I've given you my righteousness. God's given us the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. Who could ever know the thoughts of God, right? I mean, what would you pay to get what God is thinking right now just about your work, about God, your will for my life? Uh, God, what's going to happen in the world? Many people are thinking, what the heck is going to happen in the next five years, God? A lot of people, I know businessmen who would pay a lot of money for that. Where do I invest my shares? What do I do with this? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16 says, who knows that? Who knows all God's thoughts? We. We get to know them. Why? Because we have the mind of Christ. That literally means God gives us the thoughts of Jesus. He gives us the thoughts of the Son so we know what to do in our lives, so you know what to speak to your friend about, so you get the key to unlock their heart. He gives you the mind of Christ so you can function in God's thoughts for your day. Number six, you have, listen up, the faith of God. You have God's faith. I know you think, I have to build and work up my own faith. No, you've got the faith of God. Romans 12.3 says that he has given to every single person the measure of faith. So I declare 
Every time when I pray to God, this is one of my declarations. I thank you, God, that I have the same mountain-moving faith as Jesus Christ. Come on. That is the faith that you have. Your problem isn't a lack of faith. Your problem is you haven't activated the God faith within you. Come on, you have the faith of God. You have the faith of God. You have God's faith. It's all right. It's not conjuring up your own faith. It's not going to someone and say, oh, can I pray for you? And then thinking, oh, God's not going to show up. No, no, you've got his faith. Put confidence in what God's given you. And I can tell you, God's faith, you know when you're operating in God's faith because you're putting your faith and your trust in his faithfulness rather than your own. Many of us put trust in our own faithfulness and we, go, we think, I could pray for that person. I could share the love of Jesus with that person. But I haven't been very faithful to Jesus this week. I haven't spent any time with God. Uh, maybe I've done this, this and this. And what we're doing is we're putting faith in our own obedience and faithfulness rather than the faithfulness of God. All right. Number seven, he's given you his word. Acts chapter 20, verse 32, Paul says, the Apostle Paul, he says that, I, I wish that I, I would build you up with the word of his grace, which gives you an inheritance. I have God's word. Why? That's to, that is to activate his faith in my life. So when I'm struggling, when I'm going throughout my week, and I'm saying, God, this is all too hard. I can't share this. I can't do this. I've got God's word. And so I get into his word to activate God's faith in my life. Number eight. Last one, we have the incredible promise of his faithfulness. You have the promise of God's faithfulness. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 to 6 says that God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. That literally means his presence is on your life. He will always come through for you. I don't know about you that that helps me a lot. That, that gives me great confidence in, in God and it gives me great confidence in the authority and power that He's given me when I have the promise of His faithfulness. When I have the promise that when I go and pray for someone, when I go tell someone that Jesus loves them, that God is faithful and He's going to do something with what I did. He's going to do what I can't do. And I tell you right now, there's a lot of stuff that I can't do. And I'm so glad that God is faithful and He's going to do it for me. Come on, does that not give you great confidence today? To know that God is faithful. Come on, God's faithful. He, he's not going to disappoint you. He's not going to disappoint you. When you step out in faith, God will never disappoint you. And, and I say this, but the reason many people never experience the Holy Spirit in their life is because the Holy Spirit's number one trait is that He's the comforter. And so many people never step out of their comfort zone. One of the main ways you will experience the Holy Spirit, the comforter in your life, is when you just get a little bit uncomfortable. Come on. He just says, just get a little bit uncomfortable. I know it can be uncomfortable sharing your faith, but it's okay. Because that is the sphere when the Holy Spirit's going to come. Come on. He's the comforter. All right. So remember, step one, prayer. Step two is that we have confidence in what God's given us. Put your confidence in the power and authority of God in your life. Number three, Matthew chapter 10, verse five. Just quickly, 
Then the, the 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Don't go among the Gentiles or any town. So this is for them, for their time, right? We're looking at the context. Don't go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Verse 8. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. And we're all freaking out now. Cleanse those who have leprosies, le- have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received, now freely give. That is a great passage because what does Jesus do? He doesn't just give power and authority to the disciples and then just say, okay, just go off, do whatever you want. No, he, he, he gives them instructions. He tells them what to do. See, it's a, it's a partnership with the Holy Spirit. Many people, we go throughout our day and we don't even bother to think about what the Holy Spirit is doing in our life or in the people around us. But I believe that evangelism, sharing the gospel, sharing your faith with people, sharing the love of God, it has to flow through a relationship through a partnership with the Holy Spirit. I think if you got your focus less, if you put less focus on, okay, I have to do this today, and put more focus on, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? I think you would be a lot more successful and it would be a lot easier for you. Because one of the fears, one of the main fears that people have is number one, I got no idea, no idea who to speak to. Number two, I got no idea what to say. I got, well, I, even, if I, even if I went up to someone, what, what the heck would I say? Jesus loves you. And then if they say, okay, why? I'd have no idea what to do. No idea what to say. That's one of people's main fears. And so partnership with the Holy Spirit allows us to overcome that. John chapter 5, verse 19. Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. Jesus... He says, the son can do nothing of himself, but he can, I can only do what I see my father doing. For what the father does, the son does also. And the father loves the son, and so he reveals everything he's going to do to the son. Well, guess what? You're a son. You're all in the son. So the father, through the Holy Spirit, he's going to show you what to do. Come on. Uh, many of us go throughout our day, and we think, okay, I've got no idea where to go, what to do, who to talk to. And we don't realize that John 14, Holy Spirit is with us. It's his assignment, his role in our life to show us who to speak to. It's his assignment, his role in my life. I've got to partner with him because I need to know who he wants to speak to. He's the Lord of the harvest. So he knows every single person. You may not think God does, but God knows every single person on earth. He knows where they're at. He knows their needs. He knows who they are. He's the Lord of the harvest. And so I've got to partner with the Holy Spirit because he's going to show me things about a person to speak to them. He's going to show me where people are at. He's going to show me if they're really far from God and they just need a Jesus loves you, you're awesome. Or he's going to show me, oh, maybe they're here. Maybe a few people have spoken to them about God before and maybe they need prayer to be led to Jesus. God, Holy Spirit will show you that. Have faith for that. But the thoughts of what to say, I believe, is one of the greatest fears people face. So number one, these are the two, I'm going to go through just two quick things, okay? 
Two quick things on what God promises when you partner with the Holy Spirit. The first thing is His promise is that He will lead you. When you focus on your relationship with the Holy Spirit, He will lead you every single day. It might feel clunky at the start, but Holy Spirit is going to lead you. We see that in Acts chapter 8. Uh, Philip is on the road and he wakes up in the morning and the angel of the Lord that is there. That would be a, a good and scary morning, wouldn't it? And he wakes up and there's an angel there and tells him, go from the road to Jerusalem to Gaza. He goes to the road. There's an Ethiopian eunuch going by and the Holy Spirit says to him, go run up beside the chariot. The Holy Spirit speaking to him. Many of us hear that story and they think, oh, that's great for Philip, but that, that will never happen to me. We have zero expectation for that happening to us. And then you wonder why you never see the power of God show up in your life. Come on, have expectation of that. You're the people of God. Holy Spirit is here. He wants to do it more than you do. So what's stopping him? Not him. Acts chapter 16, Paul is receiving instructions from the Holy Spirit in where to go. He goes to Bithynia and Holy Spirit is like, nah, Close the door there. No good. He goes over here and he's at, nah, you're not allowed to go there. And then he's sleeping at night. You've got to have expectations for visions. You've got to have expectations for dreams because he's sleeping at night and God gives him a vision and he sees the man from Macedonia. And he's like, okay, that's where you're calling me, God. All right, that's where I was. I was, I was getting led. I'm getting led by God throughout my day. I've got it wrong here. Is it this person? Is it this person? No. Uh, this person, are they ready? No. It's like, oh, bang, there it is. That's the one. That's the one I was meant to pray for today. That's the person. That's the person that God, you're setting up to, to come into the kingdom. Come on. The second thing is Holy Spirit will always, 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 always show you what to say and do. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. I know we have the commission of God to go and we should just go and do it. And that's great. We do. But we also need to have the expectation that we're in a relationship with the third person of the Trinity. He's the Lord of the harvest. He's going to show us what to do. John chapter 2 verse 24 said, Jesus knew the heart of every man. He knew the heart of every man, every single person. He knows their heart. God knows the condition of people. Jesus said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. People are either sick, dead, have leprosy, or the work of the devil is reigning in their life. Those are physical things, but they're also spiritual things. Spiritually sick, emotionally sick, sick in their soul. Death, so death is reigning in their life, either physically or spiritually. Leprosy is always a picture of sin. So people who are stuck in sin, we're called to free them, amen. We're called to preach that Jesus has forgiven you. God loves you and he accepts you. He wants you to become his son or daughter. And then drive out demons. We're called to drive out the works of the devil in people's lives. You walk throughout your day and you've got no clue that the Holy Spirit knows exactly what that person is going through. And they put, up, uh, they put up a face, they put up a front, and you think it's fine. You think, oh, yeah, they're doing well. Hey, how's your day? Yep, great. No, it's not great. If they don't know God, 
If, if they don't have the love of God shed abroad in their heart, it's not great for them. Just, just a tip. It's not great. It's not. They need Jesus. Every single person needs Jesus. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. Everyone needs Jesus. We just don't know it yet. It's a really simple message. We oversimplify things. We, we get all worked up. What do I say or do? All of this. But Jesus says, proclaim the kingdom of heaven is here. In other words, God's here. God loves you. I know. I know. It can be that simple. God's here. Jesus is here. He loves you. Jesus is real. God's real. He loves you. We think, what am I going to say? What do I do? Oh, there's, there's no power in that. Ah, uh, yes, there is. Romans chapter 1, verse 17, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the message of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of the simple message that God loves you. Why? Because in that simple message is the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. Come on. Your one word to, to one person could get them saved. It's the power of God unto salvation. Your one little seed. You sow the seed. That's your job is to sow the seed and let the Holy Spirit save people. We don't save people. I'm sorry, you're not that good. Even if you've led someone to Jesus, it wasn't you who saved them. It's the Holy Spirit's work in their heart. So it's our job to go around and sow the seeds. Sow the seed into people. Why? It could be the smallest seed. But what's the kingdom of God like? It's like a mustard seed and it grows. You could sow the smallest seed into a person's life and you have no idea, but Holy Spirit can water that seed and breathe upon that seed and all of a sudden another person comes and speaks to them and all of a sudden there's another passionate believer who comes in their path and then bang, two years down the track, you've got no clue, but that person is saved and on fire for God. Could be a preacher could be going overseas on missions and you've got no idea but that's the power of one little seed it's our job it's our job just to tell someone Jesus loves you you know I run I like my running and I go for my runs and I write out little notes I write on these and this is how easy it is right I'm just we overcomplicate it we do and then we think oh I do that little thing oh that's not going to do much but I write on these little notes you know Jesus loves you uh, or, or I write you know I try and hear from God and maybe get something prophetic and then I'll run along with these little notes in my hand and I'll and I run past people's houses when they're not home and I'll go up and I'll say, oh, which one, God? Which one? Who's ready? Because God knows the person in that house. God knows where they're at. God knows who they are. He knows if they have faith or not. He knows if they're going to believe or not. And, and so I, I get that little note and I chuck it in their letterbox and I pray over it and I say, Holy Spirit, water that seed. Holy Spirit, when that person reads it, cause your presence to come upon them in such a strong way that they, re they receive your love and, your, your, and they know that you're there, that you exist, that you love them. Come on, it's easy as that. See, if, if, you, if you think, well, I'm just down here, well, start with that. It's really easy. Uh, one of the young guys uh, I was with during the week, he's got uh, not close to God at all, doesn't know God, got really no idea of his passion or purpose in life. Uh, he's pretty lost. And so I just started speaking into his life. I said, you know, Holy Spirit, what do I say here? You know him. What should I start saying? 
And so I started speaking to him about calling, about purpose. About, I said, hey, mate, God loves you. You know, God's real and he's got a purpose for your life. That there's, he's placed great gifts in you. And I know you don't see it, but he's going to lead you into an incredible life. You've got a great calling and assignment and he loves you. And, and, and you know what I said to him? Do you know how to pray to God? Because we think that that's it and we can just walk off. But God wants us to disciple people. And so I said, do you know how to pray to God? And he's like, no, I've got no clue. I'm like, all right, well, let me teach you. And, I said, uh, and so I was talking to him about how to pray to God. And I said, all right, next week when we chat again, I'll see how you've gone this week. And, and let me, and I'll keep teaching you. I'll keep showing you how to pray to God so that he can reveal his assignment in your life, his purpose for you. Come on. Come on. It's actually simple. You might look at that whole process and think, Dean, I could never do that. Yes, you could. Yes, you could. It's just the word. It's just moving your mouth. Jesus loves you. Do you know God's real? Do you know how to pray to God? I can show you how to do that. I'm going to keep stepping out, God. I'm going to keep taking risks. I'm going to partner with you, Holy Spirit. Partnership with the Holy Spirit is so important. I want you to focus on these three things. Just start with this. Prayer, power, and partnership. Think about those things in your life. Prayer, power, and partnership. Prayer. Pray to God. Get his passion. Get his heart. Get on fire for Jesus. That's the first thing. You know, if you're going out and you're doing it all, but you're not on fire for Jesus, I just think you're going to burn out. You're going to dry out. You need Jesus. You need to be on fire and passionate for him. Prayer. Get his heart for the harvest. Power. The authority. Have confidence in what God's given you and partner with the Holy Spirit. So why don't you stand with me? We thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you are here. Thank you that you're real, that you're a, that you want to make your reality our reality. You want us to see the way that you see. I thank you for your incredible tenderness in our lives to take us from where we are to where you want us to be. Thank you for that, God. You're so awesome. You're so awesome, Jesus. You're so amazing, Jesus. And so I decree in our lives today that there's a rewiring, a reshifting, that there's a, a shift in perspective and attitude on sharing our faith with people. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to come right now and birth passion and fire in every single heart for your harvest. We thank you, Lord. We re- I just decree a release of that right now into every single heart. A great passion and fire for people. We thank you, Lord. Show us your heart right now. Reveal to people. I even see Holy Spirit's revealing to people right now. He's showing you. He's giving you a burden for people in your family. For, for there's specific, I even see there's cousins and friends of yours who don't know God and He's giving you a burden for them. He's giving you a great passion and desire to pray for them and to step up when the opportunity comes. And so we thank you for that Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for the calling and the assignment and the anointing on every single person's life to lead people 
into the kingdom of God, to lead people to Jesus. I see people going out this week and you're laying hands on people. You're saying, hey, I see that you've got this problem in your body. Can I pray for you? And I see you laying hands on them and I see the people being healed. Come on. I see you having such a trust in the promise of God's faithfulness in your life. And even those right now, there's people here and you're in a relationship and your, your partner doesn't yet know God. And the Holy Spirit, He's rewiring your attitude towards them. He's changing, uh, he's, he's giving you a fresh strength to be able to minister to your partner. He's giving you an endurance. He's giving you a fresh, He's creating faith, a fresh faith within you to pray for them, to, to be able to, I even see God coming and as you pray for them, their heart's going to be softened and they're going to be led into encounters with Jesus. So I, do, I, say, I say, raise your expectations. Every single person, raise your expectations today. Holy Spirit, inspire us today. Inspire every single person to be able to share the gospel. Show them how there's power in the simple message. Show them how much your love is behind the weight of the gospel. In Jesus' name. We thank you for that, Lord.